Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're in Torah portion number 18 this week. 18 is a, a high. It's the Hebrew letter high, not high, high. Uh, and to life, lechaim, to life. So 18 is the number of life. And in the Jewish community, it's not uncommon to give your benevolence in, uh, uh, not denominations, in uh, amounts of 18. Uh, because of the connection to the word life. And it's interesting uh, how it lines up with today's Torah study in Exodus 21 through Exodus 24, um, uh, which uh, speaks of the sequel to the Ten Commandments. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, we come out of that revelation uh, at Mount Sinai, where God gives the Ten Commandments, and uh, in uh, Jewish literature, it's He gave the 613 commandments, but the big ten were the main focus. They were the ones inscribed on stone. But uh, this is an epic revelation that sustained the Jewish people for 3,500 years. Uh, God just didn't speak to Moses. He spoke to, uh, there's debate, 600,000 men plus women and children. A couple million people heard the voice of God. They saw the thunder and the lightning on the mountain. They heard God speak. And they responded in faith by saying, We will do and then we'll understand. That's in this week's study. Great statement of faith. How did the Jews respond? Uh, they, they said a few things, but one thing they did say, they agreed to accept uh, the covenant that God was proposing, and they said, we don't understand it all, because what God was giving them was not heard of in the then known world. Uh, all the world was run by dictators. And when dictators are in charge, they don't look for fairness and equality and justness and all the, justice and all these things. Uh, uh, but when God gave the Torah, wow, what a revelation that has changed the world even until today. So uh, this is an epic moment in world history. God giving the Torah, God giving the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and the Jews celebrate this uh, as a holiday called Shavuot, uh, the Feast of Weeks. Fifty days after Passover, uh, God gives the Torah, He gives the Bible, uh, and that foreshadows our Christian celebration of Pentecost which honors the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the giving of the Bible happened on the very same day. It was just 1,500 years apart. 
So uh, it's uh, a, 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 a illustration and symbolizes a connection between uh, the church and the synagogue, between the Jew and the Christian. We're not enemies. We have been Hatfields and McCoys, but God's tearing down walls that divide, and we're better understanding and appreciating the revelation and the wisdom that God gave in the Old Testament. Despite secular humanists' best attempt to silence us. And uh, it's odd, strange bedfellows that many in the traditional church, even in the charismatic movement, don't really understand what the laws of God have to do with us today. We've been redeemed from the, the curse of the law. We're not under the law. Well, there's an answer to all of that today. And, uh, and so God wants to, today, He wants to undergird, uh, the revelation of the Ten Commandments, this new covenant, uh, uh, with Israel, uh, that began with Abraham. God gave Abraham some background up to the Torah. Abraham just wasn't walking blind. There were ordinances. And statutes that God began to introduce with Abraham. And now at Sinai with the giving of the Ten Commandments, uh, you, you, and in today's study, you see more of God's plan taking shape. See, Israel needs a revelation. But they also need a detailed blueprint. You just don't need a pretty picture and architectural digest of what your house is going to look like. You need an architect's detailed blueprint in order to build that house into a beautiful structure. And God knew this. So he gives the big revelation and uh, he follows it up in Exodus 21 through Exodus 24 with a more detailed The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey might say. Why? Because he wants his people happy. He wants his people blessed. And you can't be blessed, you can't be happy, if you're doing it Frank Sinatra's way. (laughs) I did it my way. (laughs) Well, that's not the battle cry for a Christian. We do it God's way. And God's way is the Bible way. How many want to be more blessed, more happy, more prosperous, more wisdom, more favor, more health? Yeah, well, then we need more divine principles, divine concepts, divine laws operating in our lives, and we need to apply them correctly. And that's what a lifelong journey of Christianity is partially all about. Learning how to rightly apply the Word of God to any and every situation. And the better we get at that, the better our life. Who wants a better quality life? All right. Then as, I don't know who sang that song, but this is how we do it. So at this moment in history, God's calling the Jewish people to become a righteous nation. A nation of priests and kings. They're going to be servants of the Almighty. And so God says, this is my prototype nation. 
Uh, and if they're going to be my prototype nation, they have to establish a social order. Who's ever heard talk about a new world order? That's what's going on here. Only the new world order is going on God's way. Right? He gives Israel a structure, a blueprint of divine standards, divine guidelines, called laws. Who's against law and order? Who's against defunding the police? Who's against uh, 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 letting criminals run free and do whatever's right in their own eyes? That's the world I want. Oh, yeah, right. Until they come knocking on your door and stealing your stuff, then you want law and order. And so God understands this, so he gives some law and order. It's not legalism. It's not legalism to not want thieves to break into your house and steal your stuff. <laughs> I want to be carjacked. I like that idea. You're not, go ahead and carjack me because I don't want to be legalistic. No, there's laws. Can we all be happy that there's, we live in a, a state where they still uh, respect law and order? Although I hear there's places like Austin that struggle with that. <laughs> the, 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 the head of our legislative body, our governor and everything in Austin and the local city is wanting to go woke and abolish all of that legal stuff and let everybody just run wild. Social chaos. Oh, I love social chaos. <laughs> so today's the sequel to the Ten Commandments. And the emphasis is not so much on how we treat God, although there's some of that in there, but most of what God uh, gives us uh, in Exodus 21 through Exodus 24 is how we treat people. So... These laws are not only the will of God and the wisdom of God, but they're also the love of God being expressed. The love of God. Well, how can that be? Well, if, if I tell my two-year-old grandson, uh, I make a law, don't touch a hot stove with your hand. <laughs> That's not legalism. <laughs> That's wisdom. That's not, I hate him. <laughs> That's, I love him so much, I'm going to make a rule, I'm going to have a guideline. Don't stick a screwdriver into an electric socket. <laughs> it's a guideline. That's not legalism. That's love. And so, last week, now this, is, this was uh, hot off the press. Uh... And we're just about ready to leave the house, and I sat down and uh, typed this in. Last week and this week are the origins of what Paul writes in Romans 13. Go to Romans 13, verse 8. This is amazing. We're talking about the laws expressing not only God's will, God's wisdom, but also God's love. And notice what Paul writes. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. What does that mean? Well, listen to what he says. The commandments, 
You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be. In other words, all 613 commandments, which are divine principles, divine guidelines for how to structure a family or a nation, can all be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So, if we want to understand the law of love, how many of you have been brought up in a church where we're not under all those Old Testament laws, we're just under the law of love? Well, it's not one or the other. The law of love is the summation of everything that God has given. It's epitomized, it's personified in the law of love. Otherwise, Paul would have said, uh, all these commandments that I just listed and every other commandment that there may be, all of those are now abolished and replaced by the law of love. He didn't say replaced. He said summed up. And so... It's not being summed up and it's not being preached. We're not telling you, Paul wasn't telling you uh, that do this to earn your salvation. We got that all wrong. Christians got that all wrong about the, oh, they're trying to earn, they're in legalistic bondage trying to earn their salvation. No, they're not. They're trying to order their life and order their community by a certain set of standards. Those standards came from the Bible. So knock it off, Christian, and stop blaming the Jews for being legalistic. Even Paul says that the expanded edition of the law of love in the New Testament originates at Mount Sinai. So then, now, everything that we're doing is based on love. Everything that God gives us is based on love. Because He wants the best for us. He doesn't want us to be hurt. He doesn't want us to miss out. So He gives us these commandments. And if we learn the principle behind it, and how to apply it correctly... It leads to a better quality life for an individual, for a family, and yes, for a nation. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, keep my commandments. Pretty interesting stuff, huh? So Rabbi Sachs, the late great Rabbi Sachs, one of my favorite uh, rabbis to, to read and study, Uh, He writes in this article called Listening and the Law. He says that it's interesting that when millions of Jews heard God speak at Sinai, the Lord revealed Himself through the Ten Commandments. He revealed Himself to this prototype nation in the form of laws. What's acceptable and what's not. What's permitted, what's forbidden. So this tells us a lot about how our relationship with God is supposed to grow and build. In praise and worship and, and the emotions that come through praise and worship. And, uh, uh, you know, all of that is great. 
We want to feel hyped up and we want to feel the emotions of loving God. And I love you, Lord. I lift my voice to you. But on Monday and Tuesday when the choir ain't around, what are we going to follow? Where's the choir? <laughs> we, need, we need a blueprint for success. God told Joshua, if you meditate on my word day and night, if you meditate on my laws, my principles, my standards, my guidelines day and night, then you will be prosperous and your way will be successful. That's what I'm down with. So Rabbi Sachs says, as Elohim, when, when God reveals Himself, you go into the Names of God Bible, you'll see they use the name Elohim. And Elohim uh, speaks of the law and order God, the supreme authority God, the God of, of uh, uh, judgment. He is the main judge. And so what all of this adds up to is that when you work out your salvation... That comes after the altar call, right? The altar call is eternal life. Working out your salvation is the abundant life. And when you're working out your salvation, you work it out by understanding the divine principles and decrees that God gives. Because that's what makes your world work. I don't need more Dr. Phil telling me how to do it. I don't need to watch eight episodes of Oprah to learn how to do it. I got a church. I got a pastor. I got a Bible. I got the Holy Ghost to teach me how to make my world work. And as a result, then we will uh, use that work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It's developing love, the love of God, shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden we're making the world a better place. The mistake that Christian leaders make when they say that God's laws and commandments are abolished or that we're not under the law is they confuse salvation and eternal life with working out your salvation and abundant life. Two different things. You can be saved at the altar call in a split second. Jesus, come into my life, forgive me my sins, save me, and grant unto me eternal life. Bam! Done. Hallelujah. The power of the blood. The power of the cross. The power of a Messiah. But now moving forward, what about that part? Unless you're the thief on the cross, dying at 5 o'clock, 3 o'clock... There may be some things to work out. Until you're walking on water, there's nothing to work out. And that's the abundant life. Keeping the Ten Commandments doesn't make us a Christian. But keeping them makes us better Christians. Right? It's like the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, If you don't believe in the Ten Commandments, I can still believe you're a Christian, but I wouldn't want you around my silverware. (laughs) 
Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much more uh, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. Who loves great rewards? Yeah, there it is. And so in today's study... Exodus 21.1 begins, These are the ordinances, the rulings, you shall place before Israel. And then God goes on to give over 50 laws. And it's almost like he's giving Israel a code of ethics. And in a sense, yeah, he's laying down the law. If you want great reward, this is how you do it. This is what acceptable human behavior is, and this is what it's not. Amen? He, he gave the Ten Commandments, but he, you know, it's like when you, you know, when you're raising your kids. Uh, you, you tell your seven-year-old or whatever elementary age child to go clean your room. And then you go up there uh, 45 minutes later, 60 minutes later, and you say, this is not my definition of a clean room. <laughs> so you have to expand what a clean room is. And this is what God is doing. I gave you the Ten Commandments, now let me expound on that and add some uh, explanation and description to it. So... He gives these moral and civil guidelines that help Israel understand how society should operate, how we should treat one another and love one another. At the root of it, it's all love. And they're divine principles to govern everyday life. There's civil laws in there, criminal laws. Concerning marriage and murder and manslaughter, kidnapping, personal injury, personal property damages, theft, negligence, loans, workers' rights, laws of liability, restitution, judicial conduct, things about the sabbatical year, the Sabbath, the festivals. It's like God is as the supreme judge in the Supreme Court, he's handing down a series of judicial rulings that cannot be overturned by secular man, secular government. Or even government-sanctioned churches. So now, today we have more plans laid out for society, for the culture. And Israel needed this. They had been slaves for hundreds of years. 
They had not been studying Torah. They had lost some things. In some Jewish literature, it says they had descended into 49 uh, degrees of degradation. That's why God had a march 49 days to Mount Sinai to begin to reverse the curse and undo all the, the negativity that came into their lives. How much more do people at the altar call need to know what's next? It can't just be, this is all you need to do. Say this prayer. That's all you need to do. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not for salvation. You're not earning your salvation. But you're supposed to turn your life around and be a new creation. Right? You're supposed to walk worthy of the salvation that God gave you. And walking worthy of that is walking out the commandments of God. And organizing your life and priorities around what God is saying. That's not legalism. Amen? America's going through that. Right? I mean, it's like uh, that. Uh, the governor of Arkansas gave a speech the other day. And she said, it used to be between Republican and Democrat. Now it's between normal and crazy. <laughs> when she said, that's a smart lady there. It's between normal and crazy. If you don't think what's going on in our society, if you think that's normal, man, I, come out! <laughs> our fathers knew this, our founding fathers, not the church fathers. They kind of got away from all of that, saying, get rid of all that stuff, it's legalism. But our founding fathers didn't think that way. Thanks to the Church of England and King George, they had first-hand experience how absolute power corrupts absolutely. And they saw the conflict between man-made laws and God's laws. Our founding fathers knew the purpose of a biblical legal system. It's so that this new world that they were trying to create, uh, different from the world that they had just left out of England and Europe, which was run by dictators and monarchs and kings who don't care, I don't care about your Bible. Kind of sounds familiar today. <laughs> and they knew if the foundation of individual decisions of judicial and legal decisions, of legislative decisions, if they were based on God's laws, there would be fairness and equality and justice. So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they built a whole new world by embedding, get this, these laws of Moses. They embedded them into our government into our legislative process, and into our judicial system. 
Come on Wednesday night and watch the rest of this David Barton teaching on black history. And you are going to have your eyes open about what has been concealed. And in these last days, God's saying, whatever is concealed, I'm going to reveal it. Why? So that you know the truth, and that truth you know and understand will help you walk free. America's entire civil and moral code of laws are based on the Bible. And they've been America's standard since the 1600s. Our entire system of law is based on last week's Torah study and this week's Torah study. And this is what's made America the shining city on a hill. It wasn't because we're so smart. I guess in one sense, we were smart because we did it God's way. One nation under God. One nation under the laws of God. So that we could flourish and have peace and success and prosperity. Now, no other nation before or since America, except for Israel, ever dedicated itself to making God's Word God's commandments, God's divine principles, the foundation for government. Only two nations, Israel and America. These are the foundations of our government. So ask yourself, what other laws would you want governing America? You want God's laws or do you want secular humanist laws? You already see this rogue, rebellious group of people trying to sneak in all this crazy madness and teach it to our kids and exploit our kids because they know if I get the kids thinking my way, when they grow up, they'll be, uh, it's like, uh, get it all in before, it's like jello. Get, get everything you want in your jello before it hardens. You want Sharia law? Oh, I'd rather have Sharia law. Well, don't go that. How about just Chrislamic? Let's have Chrislamic law. Yeah. And these are the choices we never thought we would be faced with. And now, even people running for elected office who pass laws, they'll do rope-a-dope. You know what rope-a-dope is. They're going to be shucking and jiving you. And don't, don't look at what I've done. Just listen to the promises that I'm making you today. So let me ask you, is it possible to legislate morality? Can you legally enact laws that officially establish values and standards? Our founding fathers thought so. They knew, yeah, you, you can legislate morality. Why? Because there's always somebody, somebody's version of morality that's being pushed. Everyone's got an agenda. And not everybody is down with the Bible and down with the Lord. 
But they get elected and they want to pass laws that don't look like what I'm reading in my Bible. And then they want to tell me I'm the one that's got hate in my heart. It's not, in reality, it's not you can't legislate morality, but it really is whose morality is being legislated. If God's people are in authority, we're praying and trusting they'll uphold standards of righteousness so that ordinary people can pursue life and liberty and happiness. This is why Proverbs 29.2 says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. I hear a lot of groaning going on in America these days. OMG, what's going on? And that's the measure of a country's greatness. That if you build a fair and balanced and righteous legal and legislative framework, blueprint, to govern people, then you're going to have normal. But if you get away from all of that, crazy is on the menu. And we're in that culture war about what's, what's, what do we deem moral? What do we deem normal? But I'm here to tell you, that's already been litigated. That's already been settled by the highest court in the land. God's court. Heaven's court. He's the highest moral authority that there is. The Lord God Almighty and His B-I-B-L-E. Amen? But we're realizing as believers that uh, we got to get in the ring a little bit and fight back. Because there's a cartel out there. A cartel of big government, big tech, big corporations, big media, activist judges, atheistic educators, secular celebrities. They like Marxism. They like secular humanism. And they're willing to scrap and scour everything that we've stood for all of our Judeo-Christian values, all of God's laws, and they won't be satisfied until every last one. And then who knows after that? Right? I, I wrote this down. They hate one nation under God. And want to oppose one nation under government. Here's what I favor. I, I favor MAGA. I'm a mega man. M-A-G-A. Make America godly again. (laughs) Make America godly again. Praise God. Are we okay? Who wants a godly nation? Well, one thing we got to get away from is stop saying that the Old Testament is abolished we got to stop listening or push back on churches and preachers that say the Ten Commandments are abolished. Really? So you agree with the Marxists? You're a pastor in a pulpit and you agree with the Marxists? Wow! I never thought I'd see the day! 
that a holy, righteous, godly man or woman of God in a pulpit would be against the Ten Commandments just like a Marxist, atheist, humanistic person that hates the Word of God. Because we, we haven't understood these things. We haven't understood these things. Now, according to the Torah, what somebody does in the privacy of their own home is actually our business. Well, whatever you do in your own home, don't be messing with. No, it's society's business. Because my neighbor's pursuit of private ungodly, immoral activities will ultimately spill over into public life. And eventually it will result in the destruction of a nation. Certain uh, secular, atheistic type groups has said, just give us this one thing and we'll go away. Just redefine what traditional marriage is and you won't hear from us again. Liar, liar, pants on fire. (laughs) The Bible teaches everyone suffers the consequences. So no one can say it's none of your business. Leviticus 20 talks about this in Leviticus 20, verse 22. God says, you must keep all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Oh, so that's where Pastor James got. Be just not hearers of the word, but doers also. (laughs) Oh, he got that from the Old Testament. Otherwise... The land to which I am bringing you as your new home will vomit you out. Huh? Yeah. God said, don't live according to the customs of the people I am driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them. But I have promised you, You will possess the land because I will give it to you as your possession. A land flowing with milk and honey. I'm the Lord your God and I have set you apart from all other people. Is that true for Christians today? Is He the Lord God Almighty in our lives? Of course. Then that means He set us apart. I can't believe what I see sometimes. Even in the church. I was reading the other day about there's this gigantic church somewhere in America that's now growing a marijuana farm. Huh? Yeah, let's, let's get buzzed up and go to church, brother. I, I, I'm not understanding the connection between drug use and drug abuse and being a believer in Jesus Christ. For me, it's easy to look at that and say, man, I, I, devil, you're a liar. I lived 17 years of my life doing drugs. Don't tell me that drugs aren't dangerous. 
What's the worst drug there is? Who can tell me what the worst drug there is? Ignorance? Yeah. The worst drug is the first drug. And that marijuana type drug gets you involved into some crazy stuff. I, I, I don't know if you knew anybody that resembles that, but I was one of them. I was in that crowd. Marijuana led to... The only thing I, I never really did was stick a needle in my arm. But I put everything up my nose a thousand times. I popped every pill... 17 years of that stuff. So don't tell me drugs are good. <laughs> That's what Dumb and Dumber said in the movie Dumb and Dumber when the hitman was coming at him. Drugs are good. Drugs are good. No, that's Dumb and Dumber. So morality depends on private and public behavior. Yeah, even as Christians, right? When no one's around, we need to work on our integrity. Because that's when it's the easiest to cheat. So when no one's around, private behavior, we need to keep that level of integrity, our code of ethics, all these things at a high level. The price of maintaining a moral society versus a pagan society includes what we limit or approve of as acceptable behavior who's ever heard of the notion disturbing the peace in a godly society we would call that disturbing morality (laughs) right now in america you are people out there whoever might uh, you're disturbing morality This is why humanists and Marxists are fighting so hard to eliminate Judeo-Christian values. They're trying to make the argument that God's laws are immoral. And the last thing we need is the church preachers to be in agreement with that. Well, somehow you need to get rid of all that Old Testament stuff. No, Paul told us, right? that all the commandments are summed up in the law of love. He didn't say the law of love replaces. He said it's summed up. That means they're still in effect. The divine principles, the divine will, the divine wisdom of God does not need uh, uh, somebody to abolish it. Jesus didn't come to abolish the wisdom of God. So, amen. Hopefully, uh, we understand one another that abiding by God's laws has nothing to do with trying to earn eternal life. But it has everything to do with trying to have a moral, righteous, godly society so we can have abundant life. Amen? Amen? One final scripture that speaks about blessing and righteousness, godliness, and goodness. And it's just one of many, many scriptures that teaches us how we can elevate our lives, our personal life. We can elevate our home life. We can elevate society at large when we honor God's standards. And the psalmist 
put it this way in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. This is from the New Living. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Amen. How many of you love to prosper? How many of you love to succeed? Do it God's way. Follow God's laws, His divine principles, and you will be in His will, and your life will improve, 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 improve. Amen? Amen. Well, thank you for joining us on Zoom in person. We love you. God bless you. And have a great week.